it's an exciting time right now because it is still blue ocean on these platforms. And you still have a lot of opportunity to produce content on these platforms that hasn't been produced by someone else. I believe that we're not going to have to discount as heavily this Q4 because uh, the demand is going to be the biggest it's ever been before in history. We try to make ourselves hyper available that we realize helps mitigate chargebacks, refunds, you know, um, retain customers, um, even if they're, you know, wanting a refund or cancel their subscription. This episode features four founders, Benjamin Smith, founder of Disco, Eric Banholz, founder of Baird Brand, Jeffrey Sawyer Lee, FitTrack, and Josh Elistate, founder of Snow Teeth Whitening. It's a great episode you don't want to miss. It's hosted by Kali Moore, and it's an expert panel for Q4 and BFCM. That's Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hi there, 2Xs. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the e-commerce podcast dedicated to rapid growth in the direct-to-consumer selling space. So if you work in marketing at an e-commerce business or a founder, I'm going to help you sell more directly to your customers. Each week on this podcast, I interview an expert, a founder of a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business, or a representative from a best-in-class e-commerce SaaS product. We're focused on helping you improve e-commerce metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately sales. Their remit is to help you sell more sustainably. Right, jumping in today's episode. Again, this is day two of our eight-day marathon on um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And um, this one I'm particularly excited about because this was the first expert panel we actually put together for the Commerce Excel um, conference. And it, it it is a founders roundtable with some heavyweights in the D2C e-commerce selling space. First, we have Josh Elistate. Um, he's been on this podcast um, many, many, many seasons ago. Um, he's the founder of Snow Teeth Whitening. These guys, everything he said he will do 
when he was on the show has he has done and surpassed. I think they're tracking to um, well over $120 million in revenue. They're disrupting the um, the, the, the dental and or- the oral care space. I mean, right now he's branched out from, um, from, from teeth whitening kits to toothpastes, to toothpaste, toothbrush, and several other SKUs. So every quarter they're, they're dropping new products, you know, they're, they're running new product launches essentially. Um, so, so that's Josh. Um, we, we also have Jeffrey Sawyer Lee. He was, he's been in this episode in 2020 in, in, in this, um, season, he's the founder of VitTrack. VitTrack, another, they're, 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 they're 18 million in, in revenue tracking to do a hundred over a hundred this year. Um, and, um, what they do is like health tech, um, you know, products, D2C products. It's it's hardware and software. Eric Banholz, um, the larger than life, um, you know, founder of um, Bad Brand. You know, he's everywhere. He he runs a community first. He takes a community first approach to to selling in, in e-commerce and he's done a fantastic job. He has over a million subscribers on his YouTube channel and um, they're, they're, um, they're, 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 they're a eight-figure business. Benjamin Smith, he's the founder of Disco. Um, Disco is a clean skincare brand for men based out in, um, in, 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 in Dallas, Texas. And it exists to stigmatize skincare use for men in a fun and educational manner. Um, so he launched his career in, in, in the fitness space. Um, he's owned, uh, and he owned, uh, I think a, a, it was, a a chain of small boutique, you know, um, you know, gyms, um, disco is founded by, or is funded, um, by, by angel investors and, and I believe, um, soon VCs. So it's a very, very tight, um, you know, expert panel and, um, Callie Moore, um, she's the co-founder of Lumen Ventures. She, she's like an e-commerce expert who, um, you should know in this space. If you don't know her, um, she writes about e-commerce. She tracks, she studies e-commerce businesses. Um, she's written for the likes of Stripe, Shopify, ConvertKit, and is also a contributor to retail publications like Fobs, Vogue, Business Week, um, Vogue Business rather, um, Adweek, um, Entrepreneur, and sh- the Shopify Plus blog. So, you know, this is a quality conversation, 40 minutes, 40 minutes of juice. They are just shedding light on how their brands are taken on Black Friday, Cyber Monday in 2021. There's not much more value I can give you guys. Enjoy this episode. Um, before you get in, you will be playing some um, some messages from our kind sponsors. So listen through to that, to the messages and enjoy this conversation. Grab your notebooks, folks. It's going to be a good one. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Non, and Chubbies. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. 
visit klaviyo.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Cloudways has become the hosting platform of choice for thousands of e-commerce merchants, SMBs, and agencies around the globe. Why? Well, there's a high-performing custom stack, top-notch security, the choice between five cloud solution providers, ease of scalability, affordable pricing plans, and so much more. Cloudways also offers support for all PHP-based applications like Magento, WooCommerce, WordPress, Laravel, and others. Experience an unbeatable managed cloud hosting experience with Cloudways today. For $20 free hosting credit, use the coupon code BOOSTMAG. That's B-O-O-S-T-M-A-G. That's BOOSTMAG. Moving dreams forward, Cloudways. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the Commerce Excel experience thus far. Um, did you like my conversation with, with Thomas, um, Kyle, Hal? <laughs> um, it was, it was, for me, I, I found it very, very interesting. It was based on customer centricity. And um, we're not stopping at that yet. Now, the next session is um, a session I've been really looking forward to. It, it has um, a, a, a collection of high-caliber, um, you know, too much founders of um, direct-to-consumer e-commerce businesses that do care about their customers quite religiously. We have Eric Bandhorse, um, you know, Jeffrey Lee. We have Josh Elestated, Benjamin Smith, and it's hosted by Kale Moore. I wouldn't say much. This is how they're strategizing for Q4. I'll hand it over to Kale, the, the moderator of this live session, and I'll catch you on the other side. Hi, everyone. Thank you for dialing in to the Founder Q4 Strategy Panel. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, A little bit about me. I'm Kaylee Moore. I will be your host for this panel. Um, I am a writer and consultant for the e-commerce space. I work with clients like Stripe and Shopify and ConvertKit. I am also a contributor to retail publications like Forbes, Vogue Business, Adweek, Inc., Entrepreneur, and many others. Um, So a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, This meeting is being recorded, so please be sure that your device is on mute during the panel discussion. Um, Please use the Ask Question feature on the right of your screen to ask any questions in relation to the topic that we're discussing. And be sure to engage with us using hashtag CommerceExcel. And you can tag 2x eCommerce on Twitter and 2x eCommerce on LinkedIn. Um, A little bit about our sponsors for this panel. This event has been proudly sponsored by our good friends at Junie, the financial companion that tracks returns on your entire business in one place. Measure all of your ROI at juni.co. And then our other sponsor is, ooh, I don't know about this name, but I'm going to say Imarsis. I'm not sure. I should have practiced that beforehand. But it is an omni-channel customer engagement platform of choice for more than 1,500 companies worldwide. Um, You can see more at their website, which I'm going to put in the chat because I still don't know how to say it. So we are grateful for their invaluable support 
for this event as Platinum Partners. Um, so moving into our session overview next, in this session, you'll get some practical insights into how D2C operators build brands that transcend inevitable events like privacy, pandemics, and so much more. You will also learn the critical retention levers that you should leverage. One critical question that will be addressed in this session is, can you grow your subscriber base in Q4 or do you focus on subscriber nurturing? So a lot of great topics to get to today. Um, we have about 40 minutes here, so we're going to keep things moving really quickly. A little bit about our panelists first. Uh, the founders in this panel have each created recognizable brands that are loved by thousands of people across the world. You can tap into the experiences as they share their insights from what's worked, what didn't, and what they're going to be doing this Q4 to win even more of your love. So here are our panelists for today. We have Benjamin Smith, the founder of Disco. Uh, which is a clean skincare brand for men based in Austin, Texas. Disco exists to destigmatize skincare use for men in a fun and educational manner. Before Disco, Ben launched his career in the fitness space, owning a small chain of boutique gyms. So Benjamin, thanks for hopping on with us today. We also have Eric Bandholz, the founder of Beard Brand. Eric is the founder of the first urban beardsman. He is passionate for changing the way society views beardsmen and wants to help men find ways to keep on growing and becoming better men through high quality products Beard Brand offers beardsmen. He also currently resides in Austin, Texas with his family. Woohoo! We also have Jeffrey Sawyer Lee from FitTrack. Um, he's an entrepreneur and growth marketer who's transforming the D2C space through funnel and creative hacking. As the co-founder of Qbert and founder of FitTrack, his focus is to create brands that consumers can't live without and scaling brands up sustainably through performance marketing. In the past five years, he's taken multiple brands from incubation to eight to nine figures. Um, we also have, do we have Josh? Josh is here. Okay, great. We also have Josh, the founder of Snow, uh, which is the teeth whitening proprietary and patented teeth whitening system. Snow has become a direct consumer leader in the oral care and oral cosmetic space. It's proud to have over 1 million fans and customers in 175 plus countries around the world. Snow has been featured on The Doctors, Wendy Williams, The Kelly Clarkson Show, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire, InStyle, and so many more. Snow is a top-selling brand on Target.com, in Best Buy, Bed Bath & Beyond as well, and Snow is now the most popular oral cosmetics brand on Instagram. So in December of 2020, impressive fun fact here, Snow products were sold once every 30 seconds, which is super, super impressive. So those are our panelists today. We're so excited to have them all here. The overview, just quickly to give you a, a sneak peek at where we're going with this session, the purpose of this is to get a grasp on the strategic approach to Q4 employed by upper mid-market D2C e-commerce operators, given the challenges in the industry in 2021, with some of the most pressing being the assaults on acquisition, so with data privacy clampdowns on digital advertising from tech giants, we're all dealing with that, uh, the assault on retention, again, Data privacy and policy changes are causing some major changes there. We also have retail reopening and its effect on the 2020 boom, so establishing a baseline for the new normal in this Q4, and the potential impact of the Delta variant on consumer behavior. So we have a lot of ground to cover, and we want to be super respectful of your time. We have lots of great insights to share, so we are going to jump right in. 
So like I said before, if you have questions, uh, please use the chat feature. Um, we will have some time at the end, I'm, I'm thinking, for Q&A. So we are first going to go through our questions for the panelists. This first one, I'm going to pose to everyone who's here with us on the panel. The question is, with society adjusting to a new normal and the prevalence of the Delta variant, has the consumer behavior and their approach to retail and consumption changed or evolved? I think the short answer is yes, but I would love to hear from all of you and see individually what kind of things you're seeing from your experiences. Yeah, I'll, I'll get the party started. Thanks for uh, the great intro, Kelly. Excited for this panel and sharing what you guys are talking about. Um, I think you, you can't, um, can't see somebody not seeing a difference in what's going on in the consumer behavior. I still think uh, it, it's, a, it's almost like we have this flux. There, we haven't moved quite yet to this, this new normal, and we're in this, I don't know, almost feels like a, a state of purgatory, or at least here in Austin, Texas, where, you know, like society's trying to move backwards towards where it was or, or back to uh, time how it was. And kind of like <laughs> we're getting like roped back in with, with the restrictions and hurdles and things like that. So I do think there's just a, an, an aura of uncertainty uh, among, you know, consumers, among everybody. And it's just going to be really interesting to see how that affects people's behavior. And if that uncertainty leads to a tightening of their wallets, which is probably what I would expect to happen when people are unsure of what the future is going to hold, they tend to be a little more shy with uh, um, the flowing of their wallets. And if they're losing their job or if uh, they have any kind of like changes that they're planning for, then I would imagine that this year might be a little more tight than previous years. I'll, yeah, I'll, that's. I'll throw in some some two cents on our end. We we definitely have seen. Obviously, it's it's a no brainer that consumer sentiments changed, but you also got to look at uh, retail grocery. So online grocery had six years of of user adoption and and growth um, in six months, and so the the behavior it's difficult to it's difficult to um, kind of unhook convenience for. For, for, for people. Um, and so for us being an at-home kind of business and direct-to-consumer, right, but an at-home kind of dental professional uh, a products company, um, you know, uh, our business doubled last year or more than doubled this year. And so what we've seen is that there's definitely a change in consumer sentiment, uh, intent, but, you know, the studies show that, or the stats show that, um, you know, I think it's 30% or some, some amount, 25% plus, let's call it, of, of um, stimulus uh, money that's been kind of uh, saved away. And uh, I just saw the reports today that uh, e-commerce is expected to grow 11 to 15% uh, this holiday season, um, even over last year, which was a whopper of a year for e-commerce. So, uh, you know, with the COVID restrictions that Eric was talking about, I think that's going to keep people from traveling as openly during travel, uh, during uh, holidays, which means they're going to be online shopping. They're going to be gifting for the family. So we made a decision in our business to pull back from subscription sales a little bit and kind of lean into more of the giftables and gift packages for this, this holiday season. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I think in, in our case, what we've seen is a, um, is a shift towards an older consumer demographic. So with the restrictions and lockdowns that started you know, sort of March of last year. Um, there was a lot more people that were at home, including sort of like older folks, um, you know, sort of 50 plus. 
And for that reason, I, I would imagine there's been a massive adoption amongst that cohort of like 50 plus individuals, um, one in the proliferation of social media use. So they're getting targeted ads from probably all of our brands, um, as well as the adoption and sort of rapid increase of adoption of online shopping as a consequence of that too. So in our specific instance, um, my point I'm basically making is we've seen a shift towards a slightly older demographic from you know pre-COVID. And I think that's obviously accelerating just like the general adoption of e-commerce as well. I can go next as well. We actually did a study here at Qbert um, with COVID. I think customer has really grown accustomed to this new way of living and the shopping trends and behavior are here to stay long-term. And three of my biggest takeaway from the study was accessibility, afford- affordability, and convenience are key. So I know pre-COVID, you know, things were delayed a lot. And, but I think with COVID, uh, for the last two years, consumer now will no longer be forgiving retailers or e-com for disruptions due to COVID inability to deliver, which would then negatively impact the brand loyalty as well. Um, one thing that we've also learned that 37% of the consumer will continue to buy online and pick up and store with growth year over year. So it's very important for us to start thinking about store as a fulfillment center. We call it BOPIS, uh, buy online, pick up, pick up and store. Um, and online retailers uh, may leverage stores as fulfillment centers as consumer continues to rely on BOPIS. Um, and the last thing that was interesting was seeing brand loyalty declining as well. I think supply chain across the board has been strained at the height of the pandemic and consumer turned to the, the most available brand and they're now more open to brand switching as well. So there's pros and cons with that. Um, and with all these new brands coming up as well through the COVID period, I think consumer now have more choices at their fingertips and brands that provide the best customer experience delivery being the cornerstone of the experience will naturally win uh, all not in this market. Jeff, I actually just quick one last quick point. I actually was reading, I think an article in modern retail that was talking about how target has leveraged their stores basically as fulfillment centers, but, but at a very serious scale, obviously their e-commerce business has grown massively in the last two years in the midst of COVID. Um, and I think, you know, the, the whole intention of Amazon acquiring whole foods was really to use those whole foods as sort of like fulfillment centers for, for mm-hmm. grocery. So um, I think going forward, like the bigger the brands, like DC brands like ours get, um, finding ways to, to basically have like same day or next day mm-hmm. delivery, not necessarily through like traditional 3PLs or warehouses, but through like partnerships with mm-hmm. other retailers um, is, is definitely the future and something that, you know, going forward, we'll definitely be looking into. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep. So many changes this year. I feel like this has definitely been one of the strangest 18-month periods or so. Um, but that kind of transitions us nicely into our next question. This one I'm going to pose specifically to Jeff. Um, I want to talk a little bit about privacy. So how should D2C operators build brands that really transcend these inevitable events that seem to turn everything upside down, things like the privacy changes, the pandemic? Um, Jeff, what kinds of things should these D2C operators plan for and, and what steps can they take to kind of future-proof themselves a little bit? Yeah, so I, so I think there's a lot of things that have changed since iOS 14. And to start that, I would say any DTC operators or brand owners need to go back to the basic and they need to understand the core foundation of what makes a business great first, which comes down to really four things, right? Having a great product, having a great customer engagement strategy, which then leads to returning customer, which then leads to high LTV. And then having a very solid understanding of the customer and a very solid understanding of data as well. 
within our space, I think things change very rapidly. We went from the Facebook era of like 2007 to 2013, where it was like the wild west of Facebook. It was hard to target. Um, and then we went to the glory days of Facebook, 2015, 2019, where you don't really need to be an amazing marketer to do well. You can put in great, okay creative, uh, okay targeting, and you're able to scale well. And now with the changes of iOS 14, we're kind of back in the, the wild west, you know, uh, days in, in 2007, 2008. And then you also have this pandemic, which changed users' behavior quite a bit. So for me, as a brand owner or a marketer, going back to the basic marketing, 101 and these events are just just that right events and it really doesn't affect how i foundationally think and strategize as a brand owner or a marketer and i'll use COVID here for an example foundationally we need to understand our customer very well and tweak our messaging for them and with COVID, we understand our customer behavior has changed which led to us changing our marketing message accordingly pulling back on out of home um to focus on where our audience really is so it's pretty simple um, and going back to the question on how operators should build their brand. So summarizing that number one is having great product. And what I will measure here is really the NPS score, the churn rates, the reviews and stuff like that. Um, with FitTrack, we have a customer officer who oversees the customer experience across products, um, customer uh, marketing, fulfillment, and then improving the process across based on the feedback. The second part, which is focusing on lifetime value and customer repeat rate <clears throat> and that comes from satisfaction of the product as well as having a great CRM and engagement strategy in place. The third part, which is solid understanding of the customer, understanding your customers so well that you build products they can't live without, that have a strong product market fit, building creative that when they see it in whichever channel they're on, you know, and they're like, wow, how do they know I need this? And the most important part, I think it's having a solid understanding of your marketing data on how to test and how to read them as well. I think in the golden era of Facebook, it made us all really lazy as marketers, or maybe it's just me, I don't know. But <clears throat> what I did previously was really focusing on, you know, DSP data, whereas what we do differently now is looking at MER, we're doing post-purchase survey to measure the return of investments, uh, to measure the indirect effect on each channel, each channel. And we also do a lot of match market testing and incremental lift studies to understand what each channel really contributes to the bottom line. So for me, the problem has always been the same. Back in the day, in the glory days of Facebook, DSP has always historically over-report revenue, whereas now it's under-reporting, right? So it's very in, un, important to understand what is the incremental lift of each channel to get a full picture so you can make better decisions. So I would say those are the four essential part that any uh, business operator or marketers really need to start looking at. That was a great answer. That was so thorough. Thank you. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. 
It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's a deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, they'll extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind backups. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R. G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. It also leads us nicely into a next question I have, which is about expanding into new ways to build audiences. So with these data privacy changes that are coming, um, a lot of people are looking for new ways to reach their customers on a one-to-one basis. So we have new channels that are emerging and performing really well, things like SMS, TikTok, um, just new avenues for reaching and connecting with these customers. So I would love to hear from Eric specifically. Tell me a little bit about how Beardbrand is using TikTok. I think that that would be interesting for our listeners to hear about. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to talk about. As a, uh, I just turned 40, so I don't understand TikTok, TikTok at all. Um, but I do understand that there is a, of movement towards people consuming content uh, on TikTok. So uh, about five months ago, we decided to try to build our TikTok account. And we're very fortunate to have a huge catalog of content, we video content we've already produced. So we, we worked with a partner to cut up that content and essentially reproduce them for TikTok. And it was like, it was really quite dirty. You know, we weren't doing like, you know, original ground up TikToks. We were just recutting YouTube videos that we had before. And in just a short period of time, we've been able to grow our TikTok audience from zero followers to over 300,000 followers in about four or five months. And with several, several of those TikToks uh, getting millions of views. The other great thing about this is Instagram uh, or Facebook and uh, YouTube are uh, competing with TikTok as well. So YouTube has YouTube Shorts and Instagram has Instagram Reels. And we've been able to take the same content and upload it on all, all three platforms. So we've been able to reach several 
million more eyeballs than we've been doing uh, up to this point. And when we think about like uh, kind of what Jeff said, like get back to the things that we're good at. Uh, content's been a big staple for Beard Brand over the years. And, you know, in, in creating a, like a paid first strategy, uh, content, uh, the strategy for content's a little bit different. It's a little bit more about like what's in it for m- me as a, a company or a beard brand. Whereas when you think about organic content, you start to start thinking about your consumer and the viewer and what's good for them and how to produce content that's going to be engaging because you don't have that uh, luxury of paying for views. You have to have content that is naturally engaging and, and something unique. So it forces you to really put yourself in the customer's viewpoint. And again, it's a long-term play with, you know, harder to track. We do a um, post-purchase survey using a Shopify plugin called Grapevine. I think it's like $3 a month. It's the best $3 you're ever going to spend. We have one question and we ask, how did you first hear about Beard Brand? And what we've seen is uh, now TikTok, after only being part of our business for you know, the past five months is now driving about 5% of our revenue, 100% organic. And we didn't have that before. So uh, it's an exciting time right now because it is still blue ocean on these platforms. And you still have a lot of opportunity to produce content on these platforms that hasn't been produced by someone else. So if you've got any kind of video abilities, I would strongly recommend that you look into these newer platforms. I love that you touched on the content repurposing too, because content is expensive and time consuming to produce. So the fact that you're repurposing it across these channels, I think so many more brands could benefit from doing something similar. So love talking about that. That is very much my jam. Um, So the next question here, kind of shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, supply chain, because this has been a big topic of discussion for the past year and a half or so. So Um, I would love to hear again from Jeff, how are you mitigating supply chain risks? So talk a little bit about um, importing dependent supplies, which have been affected across the board uh, by raw material shortages, labor constraints at factories, port backlogs. Um, Consumer demand is still very high. How are you dealing with that? So it is still something we're currently struggling with. And for me, I know I mentioned earlier where e-commerce success really depend on the last mile and brands that do this well will be the ultimate winners. But there's still just so much unforeseen circumstance of supply chain, you know, with um, things being holed up in the harbor. And while we can try to improve our supply chain forecasts, um, there will always still be problems that, that can be, that's unforeseen. So in our company, we focus on what we can control, which is how we communicate with our customer, being transparent and letting them know ahead of time that there is a delay and holding their hands very close throughout that journey. So we used to just send emails updating them of like, hey, your product will be delayed X, Y, and Z. Whereas now we've really focused on building that journey with them. It could be you know a 16-day, a 25-day flow. Um, we call it 8 by 16 or 10 by 25 and we built them a whole journey to give them the value throughout the journey and keeping them excited when there's a dis- disruption in supply chain. Another thing we do as well is the messaging around that. I think historically in the past when there has been a delay, it's always like, oh, we're so sorry, there's a delay. Whereas we kind of switch the messaging around of like, hey, you know, we're out of stock at the moment, but, but, but turning that into a good thing of how excited we are that we're out of stock, you know, how amazing we are. Like, having a virality factor, we kind of implement that within our messaging on the, the middle funnel and bottom funnel as well. 
So all in all, it's really changing the messaging and that's the part that we can control. Um, and customer service is another important part here to have a really strong team to mitigate unhappy customer, which is something we're really focused on working on right now as a brand. And that doesn't just come in through, you know, what is the reply time on social, what is the reply time on um, email and stuff like that, but really building in a, a right messaging structure as well within the customer uh, success team as well. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It seems like with so much competition right now, customer experience really is this new frontier where everyone is competing. So retaining those customers and keeping them on board is just so critical, especially with the ad costs just going through the roof. It seems like that's not going to be slowing down at all. So I I next want to ask a little bit about retention. Speaking of, um, what are some of the critical retention levers? Has anyone deployed a subscription model? If so, how has LTV been impacted? And I want to know, can you grow your subscriber base in Q4 or should you focus on subscriber nurturing? So Josh, let's kick it off by hearing from you. I'd love to hear your, your two cents on this. Yeah, it was for Snow specifically, we had to decide. We, we currently have uh, on, a, on a daily average now, we went from about 15% returning customer uh, uh, rate on terms of, in terms of orders, which is a lot lower than we wanted it to be. Uh, today, we're hovering between 45 and 60%, depending on the products. We're launching a bunch of products. So we have close to a 50% um, manual selection for subscription, which, uh, you know, launching toothpaste was huge for us because, um, you know, it's the number one sold product at retail, 700 million tubes just at retail stores every year. So, but with with this, the launch of lower priced products, you know, we've sold well over a million teeth whitening kits at between $150 and $300. Uh, toothpaste at under $15, even with subscription, it changes the dynamics of the ad account. So one of the things that we've been doing is actually splitting the ad accounts based on the product, based on price range, based on subscription versus versus one-time sale. And then for quarter four, because everyone's thinking of gifting, they're wanting to buy heavy, heavy quantity for our business, in oral care, we've got our toothbrush launching in less than 30 days, our first electric toothbrush we're launching. So um, we, we're going to lean on buy now, pay later, so payment plans. Um, and we're going to lean on family bundles, you know, buy more, save more. Um, and because of the surge of demand in e-commerce, I believe that we're not going to have to discount as heavily this Q4 because uh, the demand is going to be the biggest it's ever been before in history. So we don't have to, you know, essentially discount us heavily, but we are going to substitute. Um, right now we're full on subscription, go, you know, building that business out and it's going really well. We're going to not necessarily put on the back burner, but we're going to prioritize, uh, you know, five, $600 average order values over a $12 subscription and hope that in January, when we hit them back up, that they've had time to use the products, gift it, et cetera. So that's a strategy we've chosen just from a kind of uh, for our business, gift the, we're the giftable brand in our category, so we want to make sure that we lean in there versus trying to shove subscriptions down someone's throat who wants to give, give a gift. That's just what matches for our business. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's it's such a sustainable revenue model too. It adds a little bit of you know predictability, and you can forecast and plan a little bit out. So I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, anyone else care to chime in on the subscription topic? I know that. Uh, there's a lot to be said here. So I just wanted to open that up before we move on. I'll just quickly add that um, it was sort of the obvious win for us that was right in front of us all along. And only until very recently did we start focusing on that. And that 
could be a testament to like my naivete and lack of experience in growth marketing and the space in general. But, um, you know, we've really shifted our efforts to pushing for subscription and it's materially changed the outcome of our business, obviously. Um, so yeah, for anyone listening that, you know, has a product that they think would um, work well as a subscription, I highly encourage you obviously to um, try to push that more just because of the predictability. Um, and, you know, you're not starting every month from zero. Um, from a revenue perspective. So um, it's good for lifetime value. It, the, all the benefits are, are very obvious, right? Um, so again, like we're, we're just really doubling down on that. Um, and I think Josh's point about separating ad accounts is, is really smart because um, you have two different you know types of customers that would probably buy his types of products and you know, our products, which are skincare products. One, you have the guys who are likely buying it for themselves who are more likely to opt into subscriptions. And then you have sort of like the higher AOV or average order of value uh, gift givers, which you know would be going for bundles, both probably in our case and Josh's case as well at Snow. So um, that's sort of how we're thinking about it going to Q4 and beyond. I love that. I think one final point on subscriptions I wanted to, to ask is flexibility seems to be a big topic that comes up when we talk about subscriptions, um, giving customers the ability to adjust their subscriptions, um, to tailor them to their reordering needs, because the last thing a customer wants is to be charged for a product they don't yet need, right? So um, do any of you have insights to share on how you're enabling that and, and kind of putting the power in the customer's hands? Josh, can you speak to that at all? I would love to hear from a snow perspective. Yeah, so we so we're um, we're investing heavily into our um, our dashboard, so to speak. So we're we tried like a hundred different ambassador program softwares, and we're not pleased with any of them for one reason or the other. So we're kind of building that in as well. So every every snow customer going into the new year will have a free account, and that account will. Uh, they currently can go in and pause, edit subscriptions and all of that, but we want to make it, we want to invest some serious resources there in terms of making it super user-friendly, you know, options to add, you know, special toothpaste for this month to their order. And so, you know, super important. And we also have a 1-800 number right at the top of our website. You can call, talk about your subscription. Um, you know, we have live chat, email. So we try to make ourselves hyper available. Um, that we realize helps mitigate chargebacks, refunds, you know, um, retain customers, um, even if they're, you know, wanting a refund or cancel their subscription. So making it easy is important. I think what we're also trying to understand is what is that frequency? Because we have some customers that want toothpaste every month, some that want two tubes a month, some that want them every two months. And then when you start to kind of um, look at a basket analysis of a subscriber, you've got someone getting toothpaste every month but whitening strips every two months, but this every three months. And how do you consolidate that? And that problem scales exponentially. So it's something that we're looking at to say, how can we jump ahead of some of this? And then in the meantime, make sure that we're investing and in making it as seamless and easy as possible to put that power in the, the uh, consumer or customer's hands so they don't feel like they're forced into anything or they feel stuck because uh, a lot of people have teeth and we want to keep them happy for you know 100 years. That's that's great. Yeah, I, I feel like that's just one of the complexities we don't often get into when we talk about subscriptions. So I'm glad that you spoke to that a little bit and out of that context. That was super helpful. Um, so, Josh, I, I next want to talk a little bit about SMS marketing. So everyone is talking about SMS marketing right now. I feel like um, tell me a little bit about how you're getting it to work. Yeah, so we're SMS uh, has been a huge, huge um, addition to our business. It really gave us an opportunity. Our, our SMS list 
Uh, we've got about 350,000 in there now. We've got, uh, you know, about four times that um, on our uh, email. But uh, SMS outperforms. The thing is, you know, eventually, uh, you know, marketers, quote unquote, marketers ruin everything. Like, eventually, if some, a customer is getting 400 texts a day from, from, from all of us, uh, eventually there's going to be something there. But right now, which is why all of the SMS software companies are raising so much money, it's a land grab. And it's kind of the new email, the new frontier. It's kind of being pitched as. I say, I, the, the way I look at it is, it's a phenomenal way for us to obviously promote new products, promote sales, for sure. We make over a million dollars a month just from texting our customers. Um, but it's also a way to engage your customers, get feedback. Uh, we have a two-way system. So if they respond back, it immediately becomes a ticket. So we're kind of continuing that conversation. Um, helping mitigate any issues, helping troubleshoot. So it's just like a fast way to do it. If you think about email, you know, it's it's difficult to have that one-to-one conversation over email when you're kind of sending out campaigns, not necessarily support, where text feels a lot more intimate. It feels like if someone's allowing you to message them and they're on the list and they're active, that's a really powerful uh, subscriber. And our SMS subscribers are worth over six times our email subscribers now. Uh, in terms of kind of forecasting out, so we're we're investing, but we're treading lightly too. We don't want to we don't want to you know uh, dismiss email entirely or other methods. SMS just has a high open rate. The links are right there. It's you know people are shopping more and more on their phones. It's just it's seamless. So the way we're getting it to work is we've got our obviously our our automated flows, which would include abandoned cart, browse abandonment. Hey, we saw you were looking for something you didn't find what you're looking for. You know, hey, it's Josh from Snow. Uh, you know, I saw you were checking out and you may ran into some issues. Is there anything I can help you out with? And so having that approach is super important. And I would say that's a huge advantage if you're in a direct-to-consumer space. The more you talk to the customers, like we put a 1-800 number on our website three years ago and our conversion rate doubled, you know, just by just like, oh, it's a real company. They have a 1-800. Does it mm-hmm. work? And they type it in. And once they see it works, you got them. You know, they're, they're, they're excited to try the products. Yeah. So... Transitioning here, I, Ben, I want to hear from you. Speaking of owned marketing, what things are you doing to to tap into owned marketing channels? Yeah, so I mean, in our case, like I was one employee in a few agencies until March of this year, um, which I don't recommend, but that was more out of necessity than uh, choice. And once we raised a, a small seed round, we we started investing pretty heavily in obviously like the back end infrastructure of the business, and that included um, one or two community managers. Um, and an influencer manager as well. Uh, and basically since then, um, we're still sort of getting our footing, but are investing very heavily in growing our organic community on Instagram. We like Beard Brand are investing in TikTok. We have not had the success that they've had. Um, so maybe I need to uh, talk to Eric a bit more about that. Um, we're also investing in a bunch of sort of like value oriented content. So in our case, what that means is we've basically written a 30 page skincare Bible that we're gonna include in every order. Um, that basically like walks guys through how to take care of their skin. Um, we also have a condensed version that's sort of like five to six pages that we're adding to our welcome flows and email. Um, and then looking forward, um, you know, looking to invest and deploy some of this dry powder um, a bit more in like sort of partnerships and, you know, product launch campaigns with creators and celebrities. Um, so I think in general, we're, we're now getting to the size where like, you know, just throwing money into paid ads and, you know, investing in traditional retention channels like email and SMS is obviously not enough. So, um, you know, we're focused a lot um, or a great deal 
both from a resource and a financial standpoint in Q4 and beyond in sort of like owned and brand marketing. Um, so yeah, that's sort of our go forward plan as, as we sort of grow as a business. That's exciting. There are so many things we could continue to talk about, but I know that we're getting close to the end of our time together. So I want to wrap things up and thank everyone who tuned in for this session. We covered a lot of ground and um, thank you so much for our panelists here who came and chimed in and shared their expertise. Um, We've got more great sessions coming up this afternoon. So hope you'll tune in for those. And I think that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it, answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.